please turn in your New Testaments to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, as we continue in this uh, series of uh, called The Race, about, about running the race with fidelity to the grace of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to just how effective, just how powerful, just how needed, just how relieving and comforting a relationship with you truly is. And we pray that you would open our eyes to your faithfulness. And would you help us to respond with faithfulness to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a story about John Knox, who was the father of the Presbyterian Church. And uh, he, he went through a whole lot of tribulation. He was in exile uh, two different times. He was uh, imprisoned and sentenced to two years in the galley of a French ship. You know, like in the movie Ben-Hur where they're on the oars, you know, the ramming speed and all that stuff. That's what was going on with John Knox. And you know, when you're in the galley of a, of a French ship and all you do is row all day and then they let you stop for a while and then you row some more and you, you, don't even, you don't even know because you're down in the ship, you don't even know probably what day it is anymore. You don't even know really where the ship is in the Atlantic or maybe the Mediterranean. And uh, John Knox was just beaten down. He was exhausted. He was starting to kind of lose hope. And one day when he was heaving at the oars and just about to just want to give up, he looked out of the portal at that particular moment. And you know what he saw? He saw the coast of Scotland. They just happened to be going by the coast of his homeland, Scotland. Not only did he see the coast of Scotland, he immediately realized that they were somewhere between St. Andrews, Scotland, and Dundee, Scotland, and he literally saw the spire of the church that he preached his first sermon in through the portal on the oars. And he declared to his friend that was chained a few rows up from him, I will not die until I preach in that church again. And it was in February of 1549 that after 19 months at the oars in the galley of that ship, Knox was released. And he is famous for his statement, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. And his is a story of decades of hardship, decades of endurance that was the making of the man as a leader. In our text this morning, in fact, our text this morning, most New Testament scholars believe is a hymn or a song that the early church sang in their worship. Do you notice in most of your Bibles it's kind of indented, it kind of has its own little section? 
That's because it's something that has already been said. And, and Paul is, is talking about tribulation. He's talking to this young pastor named Timothy saying, Timothy, you too are going to have to suffer for Christ. You too are going to have to live by faith. And then he says, it's just like we sing in this little song. So let me read it to you. It goes like this. The saying, the song is trustworthy. And here's the song. If we have died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny or disown himself. So this song is about three things this morning. And I, I want to kind of make it into a sentence because I think if you can remember this, I'll say it twice. You might want to try to write it down as best you can. This is about how life with Jesus empowers us to endure, to live through hard things that transform our lives and keep us dependent upon him. Let me say that again. This is how life with Jesus empowers us to endure, to live through hard things that turn out to transform our lives and keep us dependent upon him. Life in Jesus empowers us. Verse 11, if we died with him, we will also Live with him. We must die, Paul says, to really live. And what, what does it mean to die with Jesus? Now, it's not maybe not exactly what you're thinking it means. It doesn't say if we die for him. So this is not like a, a martyr's death. It says if we die with him. You can turn to Romans 6, if you like. Romans 6, 3 through 5. It's a, a pretty well-known passage it says, Paul says in Romans 6, 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness, newness of life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And what this is saying is that when we put our trust in Jesus, Christ going on the cross is our sins nailed to the cross. Christ dying on the cross is Christ dying in our place before a holy God on the cross. And we died with him. And the condemnation died with him. And there's victory over our sin on the cross. And so, and so we die with him and we have a, a new life in Jesus because we died with him 
in his crucifixion. Second Corinthians five seventeen, love it, love it. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is dead. The old is gone. The new has come. What what incredibly welcomed words. The old is gone. The new has come. We died with him. If we died with him, Paul says here in our text, we will also live with him. What does it mean to live with him? Yes, we will live in eternity with him. But the way the tenses of these verbs work, it has to do with a point in time that we died with him because of the cross, because of faith, and it kind of has to do with a continuing thing that we get to live with him. Yes, we're going to live with him in heaven, but I got good news for you. You don't have to live your life alone. You don't have to live the Christian life alone. Paul is saying this thing, this life of grace wasn't designed for you. To have to live it in your own power, to live it in your own strength, it is designed for you to live with Jesus. And this living with Jesus based on the cross, this new life, the Holy Spirit having come into our life, the Spirit of Christ, this is how we move forward. And we're going to find out this is the only way that we're going to face the things that are in front of us, every single one of us. So life with Jesus empowers us. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Life with Jesus empowers us, secondly, to live through hard things that transform our lives. Verse 12, if we endure, if we endure, there's a word we hate. I'm talking about me too. If we endure... We will reign with him. We've got to live this new life that Christ has given us in a fallen world. And what that means is that there are, hear me carefully, there are always going to be hard things that we have to face. If you're waiting for a time in a fallen world when when all the hard things will be behind you and all the difficulties with all the relationships, all the things you wish would have happened but didn't, all the the things that happened that you wish didn't happen, if if you think there's going to be, if you just trust Jesus, there's going to be a time where you're just going to up and over with Jesus and you're just going to like be on a pillowy cloud. You're wrong. No, if we endure... Will reign, Paul says. There will always be hard things with people, hard things with situations. Um, some of those we created ourselves. Some of those we're living through because other people created them that we're with. <laughs> and some of them, it's just the way things are in a fallen world. And you know, there's always going to be tribulations. And it's always going to be a grind. And we're always going to feel the pull of our hearts and selfishness and all the things that bring hardship to our lives. We're going to feel the pull of that until we appear in glory. So living, and, and, and there, are, there, there are times when, when these hardships 
are particularly difficult. You know what I'm saying? There are seasons when it is particularly stout, headwinds, difficulty, things that we have to really face because we've died with Jesus and we live with Jesus and we can face those things living with Jesus. So living in a fallen world requires this thing called endurance. This hymn This hymn that the church was singing, I don't know what tune it was set to, of course. Y'all realize the early church didn't say, endurance, what's that? This was written and was sung before God in worship during a time of intense persecution of Christianity. When you lost your job if you became a Christian. Or you got disowned from your family if you became a Christian. Or you died if you became a Christian. Or all kinds of things could happen to you and the people you love if you identified yourself as simply a partaker of the divine nature through the grace of God. You know, Christians, we're not trying to take over everything like some military conquest. We're just trying to, we're just trying to infuse the grace of God into the world. It, it, somebody has to believe this. We don't, you can't make anybody have a new life. And, and you know, the Roman Empire wasn't like the Christians were, were, were trying to like put together some militia. But here they were singing this and, and just kind of try this on now. How dangerous it is to be a Christian. If we died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will reign with him. It is very important for us to see what this endurance is. This endurance is not just gritting it through hard stuff. You know, like I'll get tougher than my problems. I'll just get into the tough position and I'm just going to ball up and be tough and I'm going to make it through. That is not what this endurance is. This is about how God especially uses hard things in our lives to really transform us. The word endure in this passage is the Greek word hupomone. Okay, you're gonna, I'm sorry, you're going to have to memorize one Greek word today, okay? You, can, you want me to spell it for you in English? H-U-P, go ahead and write it down. H-U-P, because you're going to want to take this one home. This word. H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. Hupomone. It is simply translated endurance or patience. That's what not, that's that's not what's so incredible about the concept in this hymn of the early church. What's important is that you think that endurance or patience would be a, a passive word. You know, this stuff's happening to me. Therefore, I am kind of patient with it. Therefore, I kind of, you know, just get through it. Endure it. That's the way we, in modern English, use the word endurance. We just get through something, right? We endure it. That is not hupomone. No, this is to take that which is painful 
and press through it, making it into something constructive and beautiful in our lives. This is transforming what is so hard and difficult into something beautiful, constructive, and even needed as we go forward in our lives, as we'll find out in a minute. Meaning, living in this resurrection power of dying to Christ and now living in new resurrection life with Christ in a fallen world, our trials are the making of us. That's how we change. And you know, in the sovereignty of God, He's got some really special doozies earmarked for you. And for me, because he loves us. We, we, we don't up and over in a fallen world. We live with other sinners in a fallen world, and the sparks are flying everywhere, and things happen in a fallen world. It's the making of us. We do not live with our trials as Christians. We live through our trials. Let me say that again. We don't just live with our trials. That's the, the modern way of looking at endurance. We live through our trials and God transforms us in it. Hupo Monet. It is endurance by grace. You know, in 1998, Gina and Sarah Caitlin and Emily and myself, we all packed up and we all got on a jet plane and we all flew to Colorado Springs, Colorado to live. And um, in pastoring a church there, I will just say this, incredible experience, loved the folks, God blessed it. But there were very difficult things there waiting for me that just had to be faced. In fact, I remember... Susie Thetford, who was the, the head of the women of the church in our, our church in, 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 um, I'm sorry, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, she said, Joseph, you sure you won't go out there? I said, well, I think God's calling me out there. She goes, Joseph, I know people out there. And I was talking to somebody on the phone. They're going to grind you to hamburger meat, Joseph. And then she said, I was 35. Then she said, but Joseph, nice Presbyterian uh, way of, of saying this. But Joseph, if God wants to grind you to hamburger meat for his glory, then I guess that'll be just all right. Have a nice life. <laughs> and there were long periods of tough endurance to see God break through. And I tell you, as hard as that was, whatever kind of leader I am, that was a part of the making of what I am. It was forged in fire out west before I ever knew y'all and came here. Y'all are a lot nicer, by the way. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry I laugh at my own things, so I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, when you endure hardship, when it's tough, have you ever thought about this? What you learn, you get to keep it. There's extraordinary wisdom 
that comes through difficult times that become over and above what is needed during normal times. You get to keep it for the rest of your life. There is knowledge, there is wisdom, there is faith, there is love that is just hewn out by God and and His Spirit poured into our lives through those difficult times. You get to keep that. You get to bring it to bear in your life going forward, in the life of your family, in the life of your friends, in the life of your church. You get to keep that. Isn't that great? That's hupomone. It's not just getting through something. It's being transformed by moving through something. As we have died in Christ and we live in this resurrection life with Jesus. I I love the words to the song by Keith Green called Trials Turn to Gold. You can YouTube this, by the way. You can listen to this song today if you like. Trials Turn to Gold by Keith Green. I'm just going to read you a few lines. He, meaning Jesus, he's brought me here where things are clear and trials have turned to gold. He shared with me his victory that he won in days of old. He's brought me low so I could know the way to reach the heights. To forsake my dreams, my self-esteem, and give up all my rights. And with each one that I lay down, a jewel is placed in my crown. Because his love, the things above, is all I'll ever need. He's brought me here where things are now clear and trials have turned to gold. You either get bitter or you get better through your trials. Take your choice. There are no other options. You either get bitter or you get better. You either get through it on your own or you, are you, you, excuse me, you either get with it and and just let it happen on your own or you move through it by faith in Christ. I want you to think about your life. Have you seen your trials turn to gold? Have you seen endurance? By grace that has made you better, not bitter. That's hupomone. That is endurance that transforms. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we die with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. Yes, that has to do with later in heaven. Yes, that has to do with the exalted place that we will have with Jesus. But you know something? There is a sense in which Christians reign in Christ right now because we are not captive to our difficulties. We are in Christ who transcends our difficulties. We are in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit and greater is He who is within us than He who is within the world. These are the facts of the grace of God. And they're wonderful. We're not captive for our difficulties. There is a sense of divine authority of Jesus himself that he has given us to deal with our difficulties and to trust him in the midst of our trials. And finally, what seemed bad 
turned out to be so key. I think of John Knox enduring so greatly. I think about the years in exile. I think about the two years on the oars in the galley. You know, the rest of the story is, oh yeah, he made it to Scotland all right. And even the Queen of England couldn't stop him from installing the Word of God and the Gospel into the church of Scotland, and there was revival, and there was reformation. It was amazing. Never would have happened without the endurance. I think of Paul's endurances. You know, these long lists of, of his endurances. He's telling Timothy, this is what it's like. And it's not just how you benefit through enduring while living in the resurrection life of Jesus. You understand that your endurance can actually really make a difference in someone else's life. I want to tell you a story about a lady who died when she was 101 years old. She loved the Lord. She was my great-grandmother. Her name was Annie Cammie McRae. Yes, I am Scottish, McRae. Annie Cammie McRae. Y'all would have loved Annie Cammie McRae. She was a character. She lived in graceful Florida near Dothan, Alabama, and when she was 97, she was the peanut queen of the uh, parade down there in a convertible. She was a character. In her last years... She hurt a lot. And then she was immobile. Then she was bedridden. And you can tell this went on a long time. I did say 101. And she would say that she couldn't do so much more, do so much anymore. And, um, but, but, but Annie Cammie McRae creatively endured and thrived. And let me tell you how she did it. She couldn't get up out of bed. And so she declared to the family that her ministry was now prayer. Ninety-seven children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. Ninety-seven. Yes, I have a big family too. Every day. Hurting. Praying. Moving through, praying. How many times did my great-grandmother say, Oh, Lord, would you please reach Joey? Only heaven will reveal the true magnitude of the results of my great-grandmother's prayers. But I will tell you this. This I know. In 1982, God Almighty invaded my family. No, I was not raised in a Bible teaching church. No, I was not raised a believer. No, I did not love God. And in 1982, God invaded. I'm talking about like the Marines just invaded my family. I was radically converted, born again. My sister, who is now married to a PCA minister and has been, uh, who led me to Christ, by the way. She was seriously realigned through my conversion. My mother was totally destabilized in her easy believism. 
and her just trying to get along, make it easy kind of Christianity. And the kingdom of God just took over my nuclear family in 1982. I cannot explain it, but I promise y'all it's not hard for me to trace it back to my great-grandmother laboring in prayer while she hurt and hurt and hurt every single day of her life. That's hoopo Monet. And sometimes the benefit isn't just for you. And pressing through with Jesus makes a difference in your life. It does transform. But it makes a difference to the people watching you press through with Jesus. And it makes a difference for what God wants to do through that situation. It's just amazing. God, you know, he's the ultimate multitasker, isn't he? And I'm a testimony to my grandmother's endurance under grace. I'm a walking testimony to that. So, life in Jesus empowers us. Secondly, to live through hard things that transform our lives. And lastly, to keep us dependent upon Him. To keep us dependent on Him. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but we're not always faithful to Him. As His beloved bride. As His children. So, so what happens when we wander from, wander from Him? What, what happens... What if we turn away from Christ in the moment of difficulty? Verse 12. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself Other versions, instead of the word deny here, use, I think, properly the word disown. Disown. That's because there are different levels. There's a spectrum of what denial would look like. And we need to know the difference between all-out disowning Jesus and wandering from Jesus and denying Jesus in this way. Being faithless. Both involve turning from Jesus to other things that fill our hearts. But one is permanent. And the other, thank the Lord, is temporary. I want you to think about people under pressure in Roman times, under persecution, who did cave. And how they felt. Verse 12. If we disown him, he will also disown us. You know, Luke 9, 26, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in that day, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and his holy angels. I mean, what a horrible moment for Jesus to say at the judgment, You disowned me, and I am disowning you. Depart from me. The key here is the word disown. This is different from a temporary turning away. That's why we have both things in the text. We've got the disowning and then we've got the faithlessness. One is like almost like a legal change of relationship. It is like us prosecuting a divorce from God forever. God is no longer my father. 
I no longer worship Yahweh God. I no longer believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. That is disowning. And 1 John 2.19 helps us understand what that really means. Is that person was never a believer to begin with. They were like that seed that fell on the path and the birds took it away. Or they were like that seed that fell on the rocks and when hard times came, they, they just turned and said, no more for me. Or they were like that seed that fell among the thorns and they, they, it seemed that they had received it with gladly. Oh, yes, I love grace. But when the cares of the world came, it choked out the plant. 1 John 2, 19 says, They went out from us, but they really did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. This is kind of an interesting song to sing, isn't it? If we disown him, he will disown us. And there's a seriousness you, you can tell I'm kind of just slowing down on this. There's a seriousness about this that God wants us to get. I mean, this kind of feels, when I read it, now I, you know, my dad was in the Air Force, so I, I have strange comparisons, I guess. But Bobby, he's an F, F-series fighter pilot like my dad. It, it feels like an F-16 that has just, like, flown over me at low altitude and the whole earth is shaking underneath me. And a, and, a, and, and a bomb is in drop, has been dropped and it did not miss its target and it blew up. And I, sometimes wandering away from God, I feel so close to that strike that I almost feel the dust on my head from the blast. And it just shakes the earth because it is God Almighty who says this. And it causes us when we read this to say, Lord, I have been faithless. And I want to turn to you. I want you to know something. If you've been faithless, and we all have these, these moments, these periods where we are prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. If you have in your heart the seriousness of, of this, and you have in your heart, Lord, I just want to turn back to you, then you're not one that's disowning God. And I'm about to give some of the best news in the gospel for you. Thank the Lord that our text shows us, in addition to the disown, disown connection, our text shows us that God is so trustworthy and so faithful, even when we are all over the highway He remains faithful. Verse 13, if we are faithless, unfaithful, faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'll give you a great example of these two things. Judas disowned Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. You get the difference? Judas disowned Jesus. Peter was faithless. We, we, are, we know about Judas. We'll just leave Judas behind for a second. Oh, Lord, Peter said, I'm ready to go uh, both to prison and to death for you. No, 
Peter, in fact, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And there he was, warming himself by the fire. There he was with this little girl saying, aren't you one of the people that hung out with Jesus? No, I don't know him. And Peter denied him. And there's this incredible moment in the Gospels where, you know, after the third time that that Peter denied Jesus and the rooster crowed, that was the precise time when Christ was coming out of the uh, the place where Caiaphas had dealt with him. And there is a moment in the Gospels where right after he denied him, Jesus looked him in the eye. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Peter was heart-stricken. This is why it's so great that when Peter, Jesus appeared to Peter. He said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Lord. You know all things. Then feed my sheep. What he was saying is, Peter, I know you denied me, but I know you love me. And what I'm doing here is I'm bringing you right back into that place where you were as a shepherd of my flock. And can you imagine how how wonderful that moment was for Peter. Y'all, that's what God is like. And this denial, this faithlessness of God's people is found all through the Scriptures. I mean, isn't that the story of the whole Old Testament? That God chose them, God loved them, loved them, God provided for them, and then they started stepping out on Him with other gods. Yeah, then they started, you know, uh, having an affair with some other gods, and, and God would 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 remove himself and God would bring um, correction upon them and then they would say oh yes we need God and they would turn back to God and the whole cycle would uh would go over again I mean isn't this the story of the church the bride of Jesus who's I'm talking about us who's always romanced by other gods of many names and how our hearts turn away and we wander away. That's the story of me. That's the story of you. But the greater story is the story of Jesus. Remarkable love. Jesus' relentless seeking of us when we were his enemies. Jesus setting his love upon us when we hated him. Dying for us so that he could marry us or adopt us, depending on which, which metaphor you want to use. And, and then we turn on him. And he remains faithful. Our wonderful bridegroom, Jesus, remains faithful to you and to me. Doesn't that just make you want to love him? Doesn't that just make you you want to just break you down? Like right here and just unclutch one of those gods. Unclutch. Yes, your love is better than life. Let's unclutch this. Doesn't it make you just want to repent in gratitude that when even when we were faithless, he remains faithful? And uh, let me close just by saying 
I love the words, for he cannot deny himself. Look at verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. What that means is when you put your trust in Jesus, you have union with Christ. You are now in Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees his son. And he loves you like he loves his own son. The second person of God. And and we are hidden in God in Christ and and one of the reasons that he remains faithful is that he cannot disown himself because we are in union inseparable union with Jesus thank the Lord you know this passage it, it begins and ends with grace I believe this is a song that God wants his church to sing again he really wants us not just to hear the words like I quoted to you the words of another song a minute ago he really wants us to to hear the music of the gospel he really wants us to imbibe what that love and that grace really does mean it's the music of our lives it's the music of Not just the the words, the music, the melody of the love of God. About grace that saves and grace that empowers us to live and and, and, and to face difficult things in a fallen world that end up transforming us. And grace that restores us and renews us when we are faithless keeping us always dependent upon him, restored with him, living afresh with him. If we died with him, can I sing the song one more time? If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Let's pray. Lord, this is beautiful. Not just because we get grace. Not just because we were forgiven at one point, but because we get to live grace. We get to live in a fallen world that is so challenging. And Lord, we mess it up. And you're so loving, so forgiving. But God, you don't let go of us. We have union with you. Lord, I I pray if, if you've never put your trust in what Christ has done, you're still trying to be your own Savior. You're still trying to be good enough by your own works or some combination of Jesus and your own works to be accepted by three times holy God. If you just see that's not going to work and you want what Christ has done for you on the cross, pray with me. Lord, I see it. It's so beautiful. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity and everything I've called religion. And I want to turn from myself, my sin, my own righteousness, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in you and what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now, because of what you've done, having paid for all my sin, I am now forgiven. 
Even now you have come into my life. Oh, Lord, lead me into a rich life with you, a life of love and service. Lord, there are many of us that have walked with you for quite some time, and we have known the highs and the lows. We have known the sweetness and the bitterness of the topography, the varied topography of our lives with you. Lord, we we can remember times when we were just straining at the oars and about to give up. And you helped us to see a glimpse through a portal yet again of grace. Lord, there are times when we have boarded our own ship to go a different direction. And you have stopped us in your grace. Oh, Lord, would you... Would you meet your people that you love so much right here, right now, in your grace? Could you, dear brother or sister, could you accept the fact that we are fully accepted in Christ by what Christ alone has done? Could you drink that in again? Could you rest in his finished work And could you open your heart to see how much more satisfying his love and grace and truth actually are than the little puny gods we clutch? Lord, would you cause gods, plural, to be released today? And for your faithfulness to lead us back to you. And, oh, Lord, would you help us to look a fallen world straight up in Christ. And would you help us not just to get through things, but to live through them in your power. And would you do the hupomone in our lives and transform us and bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen.